0: Let's get into the Word of God. Let's let's get into it. Now we're going to open it up in Luke chapter 2. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to open. And we'll start at verse 1. It says that at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. So right now, Israel is under uh, Roman occupation, and uh, the Romans are in charge at this point. And so they kind of got to do what what it is they say. And so it says this, this was the first census taken when Q, I'm going to say Q, was governor of Syria, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So, These cities were so full, these villages were so full, there was was no room. So Mary had to give birth outside to, to baby Jesus. It says this here, That night there were shepherds standing in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Now, this is important to realize. Uh, It had been 400 years since God spoke to man. So there was no revelation. There was no, thus saith the Lord, 400 years since God spoke. And he shows up and his first words are, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, I love these three terms. If you're a Bible study Bible studier like me, you're, you're jotting down these three things about Jesus. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the angel's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so today, I want to go ahead and talk about the reality of Christmas, the reality of of Christmas. Um, no other event in history has marked the world like the birth of Jesus and uh, like the life of Jesus and, uh, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the world calendar is determined by his life. I mean, we base every nation in the world, base the calendar off the life of, of Christ. And, uh, the most books, on any one person has been written about Jesus Christ. The most songs ever written have been written about Jesus Christ. The number one selling book and the star of that book is the Bible every single year. And that star is Jesus Christ. And there are at least two days throughout the year where we must stop and pause for a minute and at least acknowledge that there is, something influential or significant about Christ, the entire world must stop at least for a few minutes, and that being Easter and Christmas. It's not about Santa. It's not about the the toys. It's not even really about the kids as much as it is about us reflecting on the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so when I was studying this past week, two words popped out to me uh, in preparation of this message, and those two words were objective reality. If you're taking notes on, we still take notes on Christmas. Um, <laughs> objective reality. And which means that Christmas is not subject to debate. The life of Jesus is not subject to whether he existed or not. I mean, I think 2,000 years later, if Jesus was not legit, this Christmas thing would have already fizzled out. Just like every other movement or organization or political party or nation, but Jesus has stood the test of time for millennia upon millennia. And the fact is is that his life is truth. And his life is reality. It's what the young people call today facts. Someone say facts. So so the reality that this this is a reality that and this is what I love about Christmas. This is a reality that we all have an opportunity to step into every single day that we wake up. And if we're not careful as Americans, it can just become something that's a part of culture versus really being Jesus, really being the source of life change and, and power and purpose and destiny in our lives. And so number one, I want to give us two points of encouragement real quick. Number one, I want to talk about the reality of his presence, The reality of his presence. That's what Christmas is about. And in order for Jesus to have done all these amazing things, the only thing that can explain the works of Christ was the fact that God became human. God became human. It's a big time thought. When when he was in the world, he had a lot of nicknames, but two really stand out to me. Number one is the son of man, because Mary gave him birth. And also the son of God, Because his father was God. The Bible just said, we read the story, we've seen all throughout the morning with the program, that um, she conceived the child through the power of the Holy Spirit. So he was fully man and he was fully God. And uh, whenever we see Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, here it is, this is important, we see the character of God. So if you've ever wondered what God is like, what you got to do is you got to read the Bible. And what you see is you see a magnetic figure, a figure who cares, a figure who loves, a figure who heals, someone who is faithful, someone who is with the people, someone who is teaching the people about the kingdom of God, someone who is developing the people to step into their purpose, someone who is always on time. This, this is who God is. When you see Jesus, you see the creator. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. So let's not debate about who God is or how God is. You just simply have to read your Gospels, that dusty book that's in your, in your house, on your desk. Pick it up and read it, and you'll see who God is. And so Jesus represents, the and he healed, and he restored, and, and he taught. And it says this here in Colossians 2.9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And it says this, anyone who has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Muhammad can't claim that. Buddha can't claim that. Any new age religion cannot claim that. Your iPhone cannot claim that. I just took a shot and y'all missed that. Because that's where our affection and our attention is, is on those phones. And we treat them like they're our gods. But we get a new one every two years. We have not changed saviors in 2,000 years. There's one savior. There's, there's, mm, all right, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas, devil. All right. And so I, I, I love Christmas. I love the decor I love you guys are so finely dressed. Can you put a hand together for yourselves? You guys look amazing this morning. I love the decor and and getting dressed up. I love the food. Um, I get so confused about why Thanksgiving is your favorite holiday. Some of you, it makes no. You say, well, because I can be grateful on Thanksgiving. Look, it makes no sense. You get the same food on Christmas, and you can be grateful on Christmas as well. So I don't know why thanks. You know, so Christmas is my favorite holiday. But my concern over the years is that we've sanitized Christmas. We've cleaned it up a little, a little too much. And I I enjoy all this. I'm I'm for all this, you know what I'm saying? But, but, But the reality is that Joseph and Mary were running out of time. And Mary was in labor and she was breathing and And Lord knows I'm not a woman. I've been I've been in the room with my wife who was giving birth, but I don't know what that situation looks like. You know, I don't know what it feels like, but she was running out of time and and they had nowhere to go and there was no room. And then they had a manger that they put Jesus in and a manger is a feeding trough for animals. And I'm sure it was a little chilly outside the evening that he was born and she wrapped him in cloth. It was messy. The reality is that Christmas when Jesus was born was messy. Someone say messy. Messy. And much of our reality today is that some of us have come to church and we want to get into the songs and we love these classics and we want to lift our hands and we want to be happy. But the truth is, is that some of us are grieving right now. Some of us are grieving. Some of us are afraid right now. We, we, we're holding on to 2022 because we're afraid to step into another year of, of what we've been through this year, right? We're, we're grieving. We're, we're afraid. A lot of people are here tonight, and you're alone. You're alone. Tonight, you're going to go home, and no one's going to be there but you, and you're alone, and, and it's a little messy It's a little messy right now. Some people are struggling because they've made a poor decision recently and they're living in the reality of that poor decision. So I come to church and you guys are talking about the savior and how great he is. But the fact of the matter is, is I feel far from God because of some of the poor decisions that I've made in the beauty of Christmas. The reality, the truth of Christmas is that through all of that mess in all of that mess, Jesus came and he was born in the midst of that mess. And the fact is, is that God does his best work in our mess. God does his best work in the darkness. When we're down and when we're alone, God is right there when you're alone. God is right there when you're grieving. God is, God is right there. He was born in the midst of a messy situation and his presence is with you. Isaiah seven fourteen says this. All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. If you don't get one present for Christmas this year, remember this promise that God is with you. God is always with you. And I love this in Isaiah 43. Isaiah talked a lot about Christ 700 years before Jesus was born. He was a prophet. He says this, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What I'm catching in this text is that it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. So this is the the bad news. You will go through the waters. You will go through the fires. But the good news is you won't be burnt. You won't drown. So that thing that you're currently up against right now, it won't take you out. It, it it, It won't take you out. And God is with you. And that's the reality of Christmas right there. Anytime I'm up against something, be it, be it life or finances or health or within my home or within the church, I am often reminded that God will not allow me to go under. Yeah. And You got to hold on to that. Number two, the reality of our hope. The reality of our hope. I've often asked, I don't know if many of you wonder, why did God not send the angels to a king on that glorious night Our or a queen, or um, someone wealthy, or someone famous, or influential. He instead chose shepherds. And it's because shepherds were three things. If you're taking notes, you can write these things down. They won't come up on the screen. Shepherds were, number one, misunderstood. They were misunderstood. Their word was not upheld in the court of law. People rarely believed in shepherds for the mere fact that they were just shepherds. They were at the bottom of the totem pole. They were marginalized, so they were were pushed to the fringes, to the edges of society, and they were often mistreated. But the good news about these shepherds was that, particularly in Bethlehem, they cared for the temple flock of sheep and lambs, because once a year, the children of Israel, over one million people, would converge near Bethlehem for the day of atonement. Someone say atonement. atonement. The word atone means substitute. And so way before Jesus came in Mosaic law, God created a provision called the day of atonement. And so that day was for you to bring a lamb, a perfect lamb to the temple so that that lamb would be a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. And then God would substitute for that sacrifice for an entire year. Then you will have to come back the next year and atone again for your sins and the sins of your family and the sins of the community year after year after year. So when the angel said, go, the baby is in a manger wrapped in snuggly cloth. They would have understood this because these shepherds would have taken lambs, baby sheep. And back then they placed them in a manger. And what they did was they examined the lamb to see if the lamb had any wrinkles, spots, or blemishes. They were examining the lamb for imperfections because if the lamb was imperfect, it would disqualify them as a sacrifice for our sin, right? And so they would have known that uh, getting to the manger, that this is the baby. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. This is our hope, and his name is Jesus Christ, And so what I love about that is that if there's no atonement, no sacrifice for our sin, there's no connection to God. And when a person does not have a connection to God, they do not have hope. And so Christ came to bring us back to the Father, to be that perfect sacrifice for our sin, so that we would have a relationship with God. And so God entrusted these shepherds with this wonderful message to the world. John 3:16 through 17 says this. God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. God did not send his son into the world to condemn its people. He sent him to save them. I love that. I love that. Once again, that kind of clarifies everything that you that we would that we would doubt about Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus did Jesus come to um, to 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 create this world dominating religion right right now Christianity is the number one faith in the world. And did, did he come to dominate the world in that way an aggressive way? No, no, no. He came so that we would be saved so that our sins would be forgiven. So that we would not be condemned. And so I just want to encourage you today. It's is rather due to hard times or poor decisions. I just want to encourage you. God sees the pain. God, God sees the pain. The love of God. He he sees your struggle. Because he loves you. He 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 sees He sees the pressure that you're under. He sees it and He cares. He sees the loved one that you just lost. He sees that pain that you're carrying and and how this Christmas is going to be a little darker than the ones in the past. He sees the sacrifice that you're making for your family, for your kids, for your spouse. He loves you. He saw those tears this past week. He saw that thought that you had about taking your life. He saw that. And when you thought that, he sent an angel to intercept that thought. Because, you know, Satan planted it. So he intercepted it. And that's why you're here today. It's because he's active. And when you read, did y'all just read the story with me? The angels and, and more angels and, and, and Joseph and Mary. God, there's a lot of movement when Christ was coming into the earth Right? I don't know about you, but when I was coming to the hospital, the room when my mom was about to give me birth, they ain't telling me no stories about angels. Did, did you get angels came when you were about to be born? <laughs> Only Jesus. Because he's the hope of the world. And he cares. And he loves you. And he's working. And he sees it. And he came to bring you back to your father. That's what he came for. And so, simply put, go ahead and write this down or just take this in your heart. You can have hope because God loves you. And that word hope means an anticipation of good. You can have hope because God loves you. And He showed that love by sending His Son for you not just for me not just for the pastor not just for what you would take as the super saint i am no one special i am normal just like you i have struggles just like you as a matter of fact this message came from my heart it was not really a heavy study we all have struggles we're all broken we all need hope and he came for you he loves you he is for you He has a plan for you and your family and your children and your grandchildren. That's why the Lord came for you, for you to step in purpose, for you to walk in power, for you to walk in freedom. And he is still the hope of the world. No matter what that world says out there, he is still the hope of the world. And let's never forget that you have to keep that hope fresh. You have to keep this thing, church, fresh because it's not a religion. It's a relationship with a man who is still alive and who is sitting on the right hand of God, interceding for you. He is still alive. He's looking at you right now. And he's saying, have hope. I love you. And I'm for you. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. We, we, many of us love this verse. But what we have to understand about this verse is that this verse is talking about Jesus. Watch this. It says this here. I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you prosperity. Someone say prosperity. Plans to move you forward and to fill your life with good things is what God says. And he says this, and not disaster. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. You can have hope. And Jesus is his name. Don't leave this room without getting a little bit of Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity in about five minutes to give your heart and to give your life to Christ. I believe that the greatest gift that you can give yourself and the people you love this Christmas is a changed you is a person who has a relationship with. The greatest gift I can give my wife and my kids this Christmas is a husband and a father who's going to continue to walk with Jesus. If you've been blessed, can you put your hands together for the word of God? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. I, I want to pray a blessing over you, and then we're going to sing a song and give you an opportunity to come to Christ. Let's bow our heads. I just want to pray for you. Father, we thank you so much, Lord. That you're so good. Once again, Lord, I thank you for the birth of your son. And I speak blessing over your people in the name of Jesus. Happy birthday, Lord. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.